So what is the best Studio Ghibli film of all time? Is it Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle, Princess Kaguya, Spirited Away? Or perhaps it's something that I haven't even mentioned. For a few decades, Ghibli has so effectively dominated the animation studios that its style and its simplistic drawings are actually synonymous with anime throughout the world. And when I say throughout the world, I really mean not just Japan, not just Asia, but in other places, whether it's European countries, American countries, or Middle Eastern countries, Studio Ghibli has a cultural presence and a cultural footprint. So in this podcast, we do a number of things. We talk about things like nostalgia, how Miyazaki uses certain machines, and also we rank our favorite films. That's right, we'll be ranking every single Ghibli film that we've ever watched, along with one of my best friends, Nathan, who is also a big fan of Ghibli and we've gone to Japan together. We've even visited the Studio Ghibli Museum together. So whether you're a small time anime fan or a diehard Ghibli fan or somewhere in between, I think this podcast is something for everyone and I think you'll enjoy it. first Ghibli film I think was in 2010 and it was actually uh, introduced to me in our English class and I remember that well, when you say Al who's who was that? Oh, oh, sorry when I say Al I'm sort of talking about me and the person that I'm about to reference okay yeah the English teacher told us that you know for our related text or something like that we shouldn't choose anime or any sort of animation like oh is this like what Dragon I think it is? is this mr c it is mr c anyway <laughs> it regardless was, no, it, no it was year 11 because yes that same time by the way for anyone listening i went through a huge two-pack phase like just overwhelming <laughs> two-pack phase and for my related text i wanted to do dear mama firstly i just wanted an excuse to listen to great two-pack. song great yeah. song you know Word. rest rest in peace <laughs> big ups <laughs> I really wanted to choose D Mama for a few reasons. Firstly, I just wanted the social clout of saying I did two pack for my HSC. Apart from that, I thought it was a, I just thought it was like relevant, like family, belonging, et cetera, et cetera. But then Mr. C came out and he said no anime and no hip hop. And I was, and that was, that hip hop comment was exclusively aimed at me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So yeah, it was actually, my first Ghibli movie was Princess Mononoke. Mm. And that was only shown to me because our good friend Lance, he wanted to do Princess Mononoke. So he was really pissed off and he was like, he wasn't I really wanted to do class, this movie. Though. Sorry? But he wasn't in our class. I'm surprised like he, like he wasn't even in our class. So yeah, yeah. I, I told him that, you know, we shouldn't be doing these type of things. And then he was pretty disappointed he also introduced me to a full metal alchemist <laughs> but that's another that's a tale for another time that's true um, did, yeah, did so, i introduce lance to anime or am i just trying to claim social clout when i don't you know what it? for the purpose of this podcast i reckon you did thanks nathan <laughs> i <laughs> no appreciate worries, that man i really appreciate that yeah, you're um, the best dude <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And we originally pitched this as media that shaped us. And originally, I wasn't sure if Studio Ghibli had actually shaped us. Do you think it has shaped you? And I say this because like, if I compare it to other pieces of media that I love and I can, I've consumed before, such as Avatar would be like an obvious pick or oh, Berserk right. or something like that. To me, I feel like Ghibli whilst important, I there was a bit of hesitancy for me to say that I'd actually it had actually shaped me. But at the end of the day, I was like, no, I think it has. But what do you think? Do you think it has shaped you? I think it has, honestly. After watching Princess Mononoke, it sort of changed my perspective on anime because like I said before I didn't really watch anime until I was introduced to the Studio Ghibli movies and uh, <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist mm-hmm. but it really showed to me that the anime that anime as a medium it is really powerful when it's done well and I think that all the Ghibli movies are well except for <laughs> Tales of Earthsea I, I think they're all done really well and they have really great themes and, you know, as a, as a very sort of receptive teenager, it really had an impact on me and it really shaped, I guess, my idea of, I guess, harmony with the people around me, with the environment. I think that is a very big overarching theme. I think we'll talk about that later, mm-hmm. but yeah, just to answer your question, I think it did. I think it did sort of shape some of my ideals. And that was somewhat of the conclusion that I came to. So originally there was some hesitancy because I could name other franchises, other media outlets, other artists that had more of an impact on me. But I think overall it has had an influence and it has shaped us. And I bring up two examples, whether it's visiting the Ghibli Museum, which is what we did in Japan. We did that together. Or I've actually I've actually seen Joe Hisayashi live in melbourne yes i remember so yeah we've actually visited studio ghibli's museum and what did you think about it i found it very aesthetic which is uh, that's honestly an obvious comment but i found it very i just want i want to say beautiful but i I feel like that doesn't really tell that much Uh, so what was your reaction to the museum okay so my first reaction was Wow, we're at the we're, we're at the Ghibli Museum finally. My yes. second reaction was like, "Yo, where's Miyazaki? <laughs> Yo, Miyazaki, where you at? <laughs> Come out the bushes, man!" <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it was like it was like an hour away from Tokyo. I remember mm. by train. It was mm. so far away. So just the reward of finally getting there—that was my first reaction. Did we want to go to this museum in our first trip to Japan? We did. We did, but. We booked it way too late or we tried to book it too late and they ran out of tickets. So yeah, I guess the second reaction was, yeah, let's, let's, let's rip this joint up. Let's look at every nook and cranny and see if there's any like Easter eggs. There were none, but I don't know. I feel kind of disappointed by the museum itself. Oh, why like, so? Just, just, just physically. I, I enjoyed every single facet of what was inside, what was in the books that we saw, like in the photo frames. But I just thought the museum was just so small. But I think mm. in a way it's charming, mm. you know? So yeah, it did have its charm and I can definitely appreciate that more in hindsight. But yeah, I, I really loved it. I really loved it because you get to see like, all the all the concept drawings of our favorite movies and... Yeah, it was just wonderful all up. How about you, man? Yeah, they really went for the cozy, charming 
aesthetic, which I guess it fits the Studio Ghibli mindset or the Stu- Studio mm. Ghibli aesthetic much more than if it was like mm. grandiose. I feel like Miyazaki, if anyone's actually watched his films or, and by the way, just, just to clarify, it's not just Miyazaki. He's definitely the face of the the studio, but there are people who are not Ghibli, oh, sorry, who are not Miyazaki, other directors. And I think his son is actually a director as well. Uh, yes, so, he is. Mm. So yeah, there's, but I, I, if, if you've actually watched any of his films, you'll see a lot of like cottages, a lot of like small villas, and mm. that's what he gravitated towards. So I feel like it was a grandiose, like off the top of my head, the Museum of London, for example, where they have oh. like Roman pillars and Roman statues and stuff like that. That just mm-hmm. wouldn't fit the aesthetic. So overall, I sort of wish it was bigger, uh, but mm. hey, it was it was uh, aesthetic enough. And like I said, I also watched uh, Joe Hisayashi live in Melbourne with a friend of oh. mine. And yeah. honestly, brought me to tears multiple times. It would have been so good. I actually regret. I mean, you asked me to come, but I think Why at the time... Come? At the time I had, you know, other commitments, got, you know, my, my kids. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those kids. Oh yeah. I see. Oh yeah. Reynold. Reynold. I love Reynold. Yeah. I, I think I was just hesitant to, to travel. I don't know why, because I kick myself every oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, watching the wind rises, it really made me scared of planes. So couldn't catch one of those boys. I feel yeah, I am so envious of you that you saw the master in the flesh. Mm. Um, Fun fact yeah, I, about Joe Hisayashi mm-hmm. is, okay, I guess it might be because I haven't been to a lot of concerts. I've, mm-hmm. I feel like I've been to like eight or nine. I'm not sure if that's a big number, but he did something that, is it? Is that a lot? I reckon, okay. I reckon yeah, it's a decent amount of gigs. Um, cool, all right. Yeah. You, you heard that first. I've been to a lot of concerts <laughs> and Joe Sayashi, he did something that I've never seen anyone do to the same extent. So we all know what mm-hmm. the encore is for anyone who doesn't know, or hasn't been to a concert. It's when the artist does their final song and then he or she pretends to walk out and the audience is supposed to play, play the into encore. exactly, yeah. you know, into the gig <laughs> encore, song. encore. And then the artist comes back and then everyone explodes and does one more final song, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Joe Hisayashi did three encores. I'm not exaggerating. He did three. And the third time he came out, like the crowd was so exasperated <laughs> at that point. <laughs> like I remember this guy in front of me, he's like, what again and then <laughs> and then and yeah le- legitimately like it was it was yeah. actually bizarre he walked off with his whole like he walked off with his um with his troops with his band his troops and then you know we gave him a, an applause comes back on as it was supposed to because of the encore he mm-hmm. leaves again he comes back on i'm like oh encore part two and then once he leaves for the second after the second encore we're like oh yeah surely that's it and he comes back on and we're like no way Oh so, my goodness. Hey, I actually feel like he misread the room because it was like, it, it was, it was actually strange. <laughs> He's just never going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, like, I remember looking over to my friend. Yo, Georgia. I was like, yo, yeah. like, what are you doing, man? You're back again already? <laughs> anyway. So, but all that combined, I guess I would have to agree with the sense that Ghibli has had 
an influence That's maybe nice. maybe yeah. that isn't as much as like avatar or you know pokemon for example but it has it still has had an influence so i want to transition to that and then at the beginning of this sorry before this podcast i actually spoke to you and said i wanted to rank our ghibli films from okay yeah s tier so the ranking <laughs> okay. is s why is it yep. s like like have it's you ever like, thought about that it's like a jrpg thing if you've ever what played final fantasy wait yes you're barking up the wrong tree i reckon it's like super superb um yes honestly yeah. this is probably egotistical but when i saw s i'm like stanley stanley, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stanley rank <laughs> that's the bottom man so there's st which is the top mm-hmm. and enough under that there's a and there's b and then c d e so once again s a b c d e with s being the best and then e being okay. the bottom i really want to emphasize s is the top <laughs> <laughs> Um, can we, can so, we do an end tier or not? <laughs> <laughs> so let's go through tier by tier. Like we'll talk, I'll say like S and then and then you tell me what's in your S and we compare it and we'll see which films we've watched, which films okay. we haven't watched. Um, so yeah. yeah, let's go S tier. What are your could I, what films Could I suggest yet? like a slight tweak? Oh yeah, let's, yeah, let's um, hear it. So I have the list of Ghibli films, mm-hmm. um, like the Wikipedia page in front of me. Mm-hmm. And they're sorted automatically by the year that they were published. So the first mm-hmm. one is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Mm-hmm. So do you think it would be beneficial for us to go chronological order and then assign a rank or go rank and then assign the movie? The The only issue with going chronological, and I, mm-hmm. I want to hear your, your counter to this, is if we mm-hmm. go chronological, there's a lot of films that I haven't watched chronologically. Okay, fair enough. Or, yeah. or like there's a lot of films, for example, actually... This is a film that I wanted to get to. I ha- actually haven't. I've seen a lot of Ghibli, but I haven't seen Nausicaa. So, so I wouldn't oh, even be okay. able to rank where Nausicaa was. Okay, right. Okay, <laughs> I'm not trying to be elitist, but uh, <laughs> get good scrub. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, let's start with S tier then. Cool. Uh, well, who do, okay. who, do, who do you have in your S tier? I feel like this is like an NBA draft, like starting five. Um, <laughs> For me, I'm not sure if you agree, but S tier would be Princess Mononoke. Oh yeah, I mean that was that's an obvious pick. Like that's that's my okay. favorite out of all. Do you have any, any oh. others? Like uh, Mononoke um, is the only one I have in S tier. So do you have any others? Oh okay, I'm not even ashamed to say, but I enjoy Kiki's Delivery Service so much. I th- I think more than the average kiki's delivery service enjoyer it's like the chad and the yeah so i think i would put that in my own personal s tier no you're pretty pretty disagree no no no. this is i when when i say this is like comparison this is Mm -hmm. strictly your tier list and so it it honestly doesn't matter like it's we don't have to come to like a come to a singular or uniform Mm -hmm. understanding if you want to put in your s tier that's completely fine okay okay sounds good okay Um, yes that's my s tier so far Okay, well then let's go to A tier. I have Spirited yeah. Away and I only have one Spirited Away. Do you have any others? I'm just looking at the list of movies. There are some that I haven't seen, but I think Castle in the Sky for me, Laputa. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, probably their second movie under the Ghibli name, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was directed and screenwritten by the master himself, Hayao San. 
Yeah, so I would put Castle Wait, your in the first Sky name basis with your first oh, name yeah, basis. Me, me, me and this guy go way about it. He animated my birth. Like... <laughs> yeah, so Castle in the Sky, and I would put Spirited Away up there as well. Mm-hmm. This is such a wonderful film and so charming. Definitely, very, very mm. charming. I think for a while it was the most. It earned the most revenue. Yes, uh, for, for an, an anime movie. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yes. Uh, I think that's since be pa- since been passed by your name, and, and that's been surpassed now by, by... Demon Slayer. Mm, not surprised. M- Mugen Train movie. I think. I think that's what it's called. It's about the train in the somewhere in the storyline. But yeah, right. it's it's been surpassed by. You, oh, you've you've actually watched. Surpassed. You've actually watched, or you've read Demon Slayer, right? Yeah, yeah, I read Demon Slayer. It was really. Uh, good or not I good? think it's I think it's it's great. But oh, it's great. It might <laughs> it's great, but I think it might be a bit overrated. The ending is just trash. So <laughs> sorry, listeners who enjoy Demon Slayer's <laughs> ending. <laughs> I think we'll be at odds if we ever meet in person. <laughs> I hope we don't. Cool. Okay. Well, let's go to the B tier. Okay. I have a few in this in this tier. So, mm-hmm. but I'll throw it to you first. Uh, who do you have in this? Here. okay um sorry if you hear clanging in the background it's it's my son pouring <laughs> pouring <laughs> some tea uh, um b tier i have house moving castle me too controversial <laughs> and then i also have the wind rises me too oh <laughs> we got the same list. <laughs> we reading from the same you got me with- <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got Stanley opening another window. He's sending me his picks. Yeah, so I only have. I think I only have two there. Oh wait, no, I got to put Norsica in there actually, because mm-hmm. Norsica is definitely not a C. So three Norsica, How's Moving Castle, and the Wind Rises. Mm-hmm. Okay. B tier. Yeah. Well, firstly, I just want to say the amount of like. This is a weird comment, but the amount of Twitter girls I know that are love and ha- in love with Hal is oh, actually like mate. overwhelming. <laughs> Firstly, <laughs> I think he's like the ideal anime boyfriend. He is aesthetic. He, I mean, one hundred percent. He's basically yeah. animated. He's the anime animated version of the what's that guy from June with the sharp jawline? Timothy jawline. Oh, Timothy uh, Charlemagne. Yeah, Timothy Jawline. So he's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever you said, Jawline. <laughs> he's basically that guy, like quirky, yeah. eccentric, but like like absurdly good looking. And... Like dark on the inside, <laughs> turns into a bird at night. Um, yeah, definitely. It's basically the vampire trope with blonde hair. But yeah, True. How's Moving Castle? I have that in the B tier. I have Whisper of the Heart. I have oh, okay. yeah. Grave of the Fireflies, mm-hmm. and I have The Wind Rises in my B tier. Right. Interesting that you have two like wartime movies in the B tier. Have you watched Grave of the Fireflies? I have. I have. I watched it in year 12, actually. I was going to choose it as my related text, <laughs> just despite oh. Mr. C. <laughs> <laughs> um, I ended up not. What did you choose? Of me. Uh, added curiosity, tro- what did you end up choosing? Okay. I chose this really great... Australian fiction novel. Neighbours? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Look, I actually can't remember what it's called anymore. Um, oh, nice. nice. Yeah, it, it, it really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite memorable, as you can tell. Um, I'm pretty sure I chose. I, I think I I prepared. Did you choose Brum? <laughs> Brum? Brum the car. <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't even know what Brum the car is, but it sounds funny. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I chose Shawshank Redemption and nice. 12 Angry Men. Very good. Yeah. You know, mm. we got style out here for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so my C tier, I'll start first. So for my C tier, I have these four films i think okay controversial mm. i love kiki's deliveries delivery service mm. aesthetic i find it to okay. be so beautiful and that's actually something mm. i'll keep coming back to with ghibli kiki's yeah. delivery service is like stunning like every mm. picture every painting is so soft and comfortable and warm but i actually found it to be somewhat boring as a narrative okay yeah so I had in CT, I had Princess Kaguya, Ponyo, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Kiki's, and Totoro. Oh my god, I totally forgot about Totoro. Where would you put Totoro then? Oh, look, I think. Would you would you say that Totoro Totoro is like the most popular Ghibli film or the most well known? No, that'd so be think, Spirited think, Away. Yeah, the most popular is definitely Spirited Away because I think it was the first film to really come to the West. But everyone knows what Totoro looks like and, yeah. and the cat bus yeah i, I think that's because uh, yeah. it's the it's the logo it's the logo yeah actually yeah you got a good point i totally forgot that okay yeah your picks are pretty good well um, where, where would you put Totoro then i don't think you've answered that. oh yeah sorry i didn't answer like b minus c okay c plus i think so relatively me, it was really wholesome. Mine. Yeah. yeah 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 i think c tier without saying c tier <laughs> but like just not good enough to be up in the bees, I think mm. it was very warm and nostalgic. I think because mm. you know it was just all about the kids' imagination and mm-hmm. coping with the mum not being there, mm-hmm. and it really just like hit me hard in year twelve. But yeah, I I, I agree with the CT pick for Totoro. Yeah, and so do you have any in the D or E tier? Because I have oh, none. Okay, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, we're about to start this <laughs> record over. <laughs> you get some alcohol, you get some drinks. Let me rip the asshole out of Tales of oh Earthsea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. is, is that the witch one? There is a witch in Tales from Earthsea. It was the first film directed and written by Miyazaki's son, Goro. Mm-hmm. And look, I think that the animation is great because it's a Ghibli film. I mean, it's always going to be sort of S tier, but the story, man, the story dog, it's just like, (laughs) it's so incohesive. And I don't think that they did the the source material. (laughs) They basically, I think Goro did it dirty, man. Like... (laughs) 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 <laughs> it's very just like jumping everywhere i don't remember any of the characters names like they don't develop any sort of personality and at the end it's very sort of somber film as well 
but it's not supposed to be a somber film is the, is the point okay why wasn't it supposed to be a somber film well i mean it's an adventure and it's about this young guy setting out on a journey to you know save the princess that's that type of stuff with the help of you know an elderly archmage <laughs> i love that word archmage and, and so, i love his name <laughs> so basically every every this is every like medieval story ever it's kind of like super mario the movie mm. but the archmage is named sparrowhawk that's pretty sick right I was oh like, that is very man cool. this sounds dope like let's go but at the end i was like i just want to go home man like, <laughs> <laughs> it ain't great so yeah probably e-tier for tales from earthsea mm-hmm. i'm sorry okay. i'm sorry Tales of Earthsea and Joys. I'm sure, <laughs> like I said, I'm sure we will be at odds, but I hope we don't meet in person. <laughs> so um, yeah, nothing in D, yeah. that means. Oh, I got one. Oh. Pom Poco? Have you, have you seen that one? Is that the possum one? <laughs> raccoon? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are raccoons. Oh, well, they're actually tanukis, Japanese raccoon dogs. Wait, what? Is that like so, a, a special so, breed in Japan? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Okay, so a tanuki in Japanese folklore, they're considered like a magical creature. I'm not sure mm. if you've heard of like a kappa or stuff like that. But is, a kappa is like the water demon, right? Yes, yes, with, with the leaf on its head. So anyway, okay. tanuki raccoons, essentially, that can shapeshift. And I think the... Actually... You know what? This belongs in C tier, not D tier. Sorry, sorry, Pompogo. It's actually quite charming now that I think of it. Mm-hmm. It's about the progressive deforestation that's happening, yes. and the humans—they are about to destroy this Tanuki's forest, right? Oh, so, so Mononoke, right? So we're Mononoke <laughs> two point Yeah, yeah, we out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're right there now. Um, so yeah, these Tanukis with their shape shifting ability—they—they're not supposed to interfere with humans, but They've taken it to the next level now and they're just causing mischief and havoc. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It was a fun movie, but plot-wise, it was definitely not as deep or as, you know, thematic as Mononoke. Well, I mean, like you're saying. Yeah, so that's probably my only D or C. Mononoke is, to me, my favorite Ghibli film by far. And, you know, it might not be fair to compare it to, to that because it just sets the standards so high and the music... And just the visuals, uh, it's just mm. stunning. Mm. But let's move on to the other part of this, which is something I told you beforehand. If you could recommend one film, and I already told you the one I was recommending, so you had to choose something else. Oh, um, damn it. I'm yeah. assuming it, it's the one that you really like and that you put in A tier anyway. I am going to recommend for anyone who hasn't watched a film from this studio, I will be recommending Spirited Away. Now, that's kind of an obvious pick. And I didn't recommend Princess Mononoke, even though I think Princess Mononoke is better. I think Spirited Away is a film where you can really turn on and let anyone watch it and then they would Mm. enjoy it. I think Mm. Princess Mononoke, it's a little darker, uh, which I like. It's a little more intense and serious, which I like as Mm. well. But I think if you want a gateway into Ghibli, I think Spirited Away is just so pleasant and so appealing to everyone that i just think it's almost the perfect gateway hmm <clears throat> so definitely agree what do you think so so if you could recommend sell a ghibli film to people who haven't watched any ghibli oh okay uh, what would yeah. you sell 
So you were right, I think. Um, I guess we'll confirm that in a couple seconds. The film that I would recommend is also not Mononoke because I think Mononoke is something that you need to discover by yourself, man. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you need to be like half drunk by yourself on a Sunday night and just looking for something to watch on Netflix and then watch Mononoke. <laughs> is that the best day to watch Princess Mononoke, half drunk? Oh, I mean, it's either that or watching it in a forest, you know? So my pick is Castle in the Sky. Oh, that was um, not what I expected. I thought you'd choose Oh, Kiki. okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they have kind of similar vibes. Kiki is, it's more, you know, about her story of adapting and fitting in as a witch and, you know, as a normal kid. But with this movie, Castle in the Sky, I mean, I guess the only thing that they have in common is flight. <laughs> but yeah i just love castle in the sky because when i watch it i feel like i'm just buckling in for like an adventure i think the phrase to describe it would be a swashbuckling adventure Mm -hmm. because it's even got pirates in it oh Um, like like air pirates i guess um and it's just a fun film i i think it's it's like the the colliding of two worlds you know you have the boy Oh, what's his name again? <laughs> Pazu. <laughs> yeah, Pazu the boy who, you know, is sort of the town rascal, but is also quite well respected by the townspeople. He knows everyone there and he lives in a very small town. And then you have uh, Sheeta, who's an orphan who's abducted by the government. And she is, I guess, the last descendant of this mythical civilization. And they meet and they go on a big adventure, avoiding the bad guys, making new friends, using the power of friendship, mythical civilization. <laughs> I, I guess you could call it that. <laughs> let, let me just ask my boy Miyazaki what he thought. Um, and yeah, it's just a really fun film to watch. And I think that the, the payoff and also the score is just so wonderful. At the very start of the movie, the it's one of those movies where they do the like a long roll opening credit scene do you know what i mean the best yeah i love those right because in that they have like this really well animated or stylistically animated lore like l-o-r-e of that mythical civilization and it shows them you know they started on the ground they found the power of the crystal and then they all left the ground to live in the air Mm -hmm. and then it shows you know their downfall And then at the very, uh, like the crescendo of that opening credits roll, Sheeta, I I think, I think the crystal just like ignites and it's just like, like, it's crazy. And that really just drew me in to stay for the whole thing. Cause I was just like, where's this going to go? You know? So yeah, I think Castle in the Sky is, I mean, I'm frothing over it right now. And you're probably wondering why didn't he put it in S tier, the dumb but I think, I think Estia is reserved for Mononoke. Um, and Castle in the Sky is a close second. Mm. I just building on what you said in terms of music, the there are a few things in most Ghibli films that are a staple. Mm-hmm. And I think it's beautiful visuals. And mm-hmm. this can vary slightly. Ghibli has a, an obvious style. Anyone who's actually watched a few Ghibli films will be able to tell the Ghibli star, but even when they differentiate from that, from things such as Princess Kaguya, which is noticeably different, mm. or even 
I think there was a film called Only Yesterday, I think, where the visual style is slightly different as well. But the visuals and the music staples, and they are really beautiful a lot of the times. And for anyone who hasn't watched a Ghibli film or hasn't really listened to a lot of the music, I just recommend, there's a lot I can recommend, but just going on YouTube and searching up The Bygone Days, Porco Rosso. Mm. Oh, uh, oh just, Porco Rosso. I, I've never watched I'm it. Sorry. So have you watched oh, it? I have watched it. I, I've, I sort of skipped over it because it and Pompo released two years apart. So in my mind, I'm just like, oh yeah, they're probably like the same movie or something. <laughs> That's very disrespectful. I'm sorry. Porco Rosso is a wonderful film. Okay. Is... A, B, S, what do you have? You know, I would actually say it's probably a low A. Yeah. Bygone Days, beautiful song. It sort of evokes that, you know, jazzy, though bluesy, you know, like bar and you know like the roaring 20s that sort of sort of vibe even though it's not an exciting song it has that I guess the emotions and the themes of that era and I think that it it's probably the best part about that movie other than the female lead we stay getting bacon look Theo Theo like FIO she's the female lead she is just wonderful she's very she's not as stubborn as you know san from princess mononoke but she's you know sassy and she's independent and she wants to be a mechanic and she helps out pigman in his sort of adventures that he has in this like peninsula polka rosso is just a wonderful film i highly recommend watching that as well okay cool let's move to something that i actually didn't tell you about so i sent you images or i I let you know like some things i wanted to talk about but there was Mm -hmm. one section i purposely skipped out because i wanted to get your live reaction and (laughs) this is what (laughs) this is what i wanted to say so Mm -hmm. when i was listing the ghibli films that i liked for example like princess mononoke or spirited away being the s and a tier respectively i -hmm. noticed there was a lot of films in the b and c tier uh, for example, mm. Wind Rises was a B, Ponyo was a C. You know, films like that. Princess Mononoke, uh, sorry, Princess Kaguya was also a C. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Ghibli films that I've watched that ended up in that midsection where it was enjoyable, but it wasn't like an overwhelming, out, you know, outstanding visual mm. experience. Mm. And this is what I believe, and I'd like to get your reaction. I think Ghibli films more than being great films usually and obviously we have the exceptions such as mononoke but usually i think what they do best rather than being like a great story is they invoke nostalgia to an extent that i've never seen really any other piece of medium do so and i think a lot of its power Mm -hmm. comes from its ability to be nostalgic more than be an amazing piece of story so what do you think about that i partially agree i definitely think that nostalgia plays a lot into what i think of the films especially because Mm -hmm. i kind of watch them all at the same time right Mm -hmm. and they in the back of my mind they remind me of you know the happy days of being young and Mm -hmm. childless i i think i also agree with you know the stories might not be that great but i think they really use animation as a medium to tell a really 
capturing story. I think that's the word that I want to say. But I think that sense of, you know, wanting to see more, that is rooted in my love for the the style of animation, which then goes back to the nostalgia angle. So in a way, I think you mentioned it before, but the Ghibli style is recognizable like anywhere. Characters that are drawn or animated now, because Earwig and the Witch was actually CGI, they all look <laughs> like they're from that universe. You know what I mean? So as soon as I... As soon as something Ghibli related pops up in front of me, I'm almost predisposed to to just be like, oh my God, it's Ghibli, yeah. Like, <laughs> come on kids, like gather around me. Yeah, I think that, I think to me that they are important films because they represent different aspects and definitely the, the nostalgia of, you know, that time in my life that I watched them. But yeah, I think... I think the fact that a lot of them end up in like sort of like a normal distribution, do you know, like a bell curve, they all end up in the middle Uh or most of them end up in the middle. I think that is just a, it's not a problem that they all have, but I think it's almost a good thing because it means that you can enjoy them without, you know, the pretense of them being or supposed to be like excellent. Do you know what I mean? Although... that, this like, opinion might did, be different to how other people view. What, just a few things on that. Firstly, when I mean it was nostalgic, I don't only mean the fact that a lot of these films are watched by younger children. So when they grow up, they think because it's so palatable and it's so accessible and there's no like obvious violence or obvious evil, you know, maybe apart from like Grave of the Fireflies or something. But generally when you put on a Ghibli film, you're like, okay, my six-year-old child can watch this. But the thing when i mean nostalgic i don't only mean that you know we watch it as a young age and then in our adult years we look back to it and think nostalgia i'm also saying that like ghibli films are crafted in a way where they very clearly bring out this nostalgic aspect and once again that sounds like i'm criticizing it or Mm -hmm. i'm making it sound like it's manipulative but what i'm really trying to say is that it depicts a version of life or a version of society that is so beautiful and so mm. like gorgeous. For example, Kiki's and delivery pure. service. Mm. Yeah. It's just, if I could live in a world, I would want to live in Kiki's delivery service because it is so beautiful. The skies are always blue. Even rain looks, looks wonderful and music, you know, everyone is like, eating baguettes and eating ham sandwiches. Like, everything is just <laughs> yeah. so pleasant. So mm. that's what I mean by, I think Ooh, Ghibli films okay. are in a way like, for example, I don't actually think Kiki's delivery service, sorry, Kiki or the witch that she was quote unquote against her rival, witch. I don't necessarily think they're great characters or the boy that liked Kiki. What I think oh, yeah. was the, supreme drive the main drive of this film was firstly a beautiful visual secondly beautiful music but thirdly for like two hours we get to jump back into a world that we might have become familiar with when we were children but even if we weren't jumping into a world which is so pure and so pleasant and i to me that is the the beauty of ghibli because i don't think the story or the characters are that 
engaging. Obviously, there are some such as Mononoke or Spirited Away, which I think are on, on another level. But, but the vast majority, I think, are just nice and pleasant and beautiful. And I'm okay with that. But I don't, to me, that doesn't make it great pieces of art, but very comfortable mm. pieces of art. So what do you think? Okay, yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, when we watch any sort of animation, everything is beautiful. I think that that has been, you know, part the torch has been passed from Ghibli to, I'm sure you're familiar with him, uh, you know Makoto Shinkai? Oh, yeah, well, um, Weathering yeah. With You slash Your Name. Yeah, Your Name, that other film where he's in love with his teacher. Um, Garden of Garden Words? Of Words, yes, That's yeah. It. That is a beautiful movie as well. Um, I think though that even though Garden of Words was just like so beautiful and mm. so well animated, stunning. I wasn't as drawn in as with the Ghibli films, which is where I think the power of you know that nostalgia that you're talking about, mm. the the warm nostalgia that Ghibli brings. That's definitely their mainstay because mm, you know we're, sure. we're we're transported into you know, this wonderful world Paradise. where everything is peachy. It's almost like if we lived in a Disney in a Disney world where, you For know, sure. nothing really goes wrong and everything is beautiful, but not so beautiful. Because I actually think that the Shinkai films, they look better, but they're just not as warm. Yeah, I agree with that. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I love looking at it, but I would rather live in, say... Whisper of the Hard World, or mm, me too, for um, sure. Pro- pro- probably not the Valley of the Wind. That's a danger zone. But yeah, I think I think you're right. You're definitely right, and I agree with you in the fact that the nostalgia part it really comes from the setting and not our actual, you know, age. Although I do still maintain that when when I watch a Mononoke or. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle or Spirited Away. I watched all three of them like in a row um, back when I was 16. I am transported back to that time as well, which is why I really enjoy those three films. Although Howl's Moving Castle is, you know, a B tier for me because... Wait, did I say B tier for Howl's? I think you did because I had it in yeah. B tier. I think we agreed. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's just... it. That is a wonderful world, but... I think the story for me sort of wasn't as great as the other three. So, But yeah, I definitely agree with the nostalgia part. And the other reason I say this is not only is its art style not very pleasant and all the other reasons I said before, like it's quite palatable so you can show it to your children and then your children grow up and then, you know, they always think back to that cozy, warm period of time. So not only mm. do I say it's nostalgic for that reason, I think there is a glorification of 1970s, 1980s Japan in such a nostalgic way. And and I'll, I'll support my argument that it does mm-hmm. really glorify this. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way, like, you know, it's glorifying it in the sense that it's being manipulative or something. But a mm-hmm. lot of these Ghibli f- images, for example, are just as I was watching Whisper of the Heart recently, I just remember thinking, wait, I've actually seen that image from like lo-fi hip hop videos or these, yeah, like lo-fi songs. And then you have Ghibli images or, or clips like superimposed on it that just, you know, repeat and repeat. 
And I think, mm-hmm. I think it, it, it's so effective uh, at creating that warm blanket feeling through mm. just the colors and sounds. And, you know, to me, and I guess this is depending, this is dependent on what uh viewer wants from their films. To me, I enjoy it, but it's not what I gravitate towards the most. So yeah, fundamentally, I guess if, if I was going to go back to, to my point, I think Miyazaki or Ghibli, I think their films are nostalgic and very beautiful and, and very good pieces of film. But if I was to compare or introduce another director who, to me, I think is arguably the greatest director, anime director. I think Miyazaki is a great storyteller. Uh, but mm-hmm. have you ever watched anything from Satoshi Kon before? I have. Perfect have. Blue, Papari, Millennium Actress. Have you have you watched any, like which ones have you watched? Let me see. Just pulling up the list of his works. Oh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. What? No way. Wait, Satoshi Kon. Wait, 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 no wait, 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 wait. He did not direct Jojo. Nineteen ninety-three. It's the original video animation. What? Um, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bit bit of a tangent. Perfect Blue is great. I think that just the just the themes of identity in that film, especially, you know, with a female lead and the world that she lives in. And, you know, the whole idea of, I think it's perception of reality. I think that is, it's definitely not something that a kid would understand, but, you know, it's more like oh, an adult, adult, <laughs> the grown-up anime, you know what I mean? Um, they, they are great. And I, I think that movie is excellent. Well, do do you agree with my premise that I think, and once again, I, I will preface this by saying, you know, art is very subjective, but I think Satoshi Kon's, his films like Millennium Actress or Perfect Blue, maybe not Princess Mononoke, maybe, I don't know, maybe I prefer Perfect Blue over. I'm not, I'm actually not hundred percent sure, but I just, I just think Satoshi Kon's films are just better pieces of work. What, what do you think about that? Okay. Do you mean like a more complete package? I, well, to me, I just think they're just much more in, like engaging. For, for me, Millennium Actress, Tokyo Godfathers, Paprika, Perfect Blue, like hmm. uh, just How's Moving Castle in comparison to like Millennium Actress is a very pleasant film, but Millennium Actress does things with the animation medium that I've never seen before. Oh, okay. I think... To answer your question, if I agree, for me, well, coming from my worldview of these of these anime, I think that they are com- they're not completely different. But for me, I I didn't watch Ghibli and then Perfect Blue with the same aim in mind. If you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So I know that you're quite the art lover. So, so I think you might be a bit more scrupulous when watching Ooh, films. Nice but... word. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, are you a word lover as well? Yeah, when I watch Ghibli, I watch it more for the enjoyment of the medium. I mean, like we were talking about the nostalgic fe- feeling of this perfect world. Mm-hmm. But with Satoshi Kon's movies, more planted in reality, and they have much deeper themes. 
So I can definitely appreciate that as well when I watch them. But that's where I'm coming from. I'm, I'm trying to say that it's kind of like apples and oranges, even though they're still both in the same medium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like comparing Finding Nemo to like Sharknado or something. You know, they're both, <laughs> <laughs> they're both, they're both about fish. They're both, you know, CGI. But, you know, wait, <laughs> Finding fi- Nemo is... Wait, Finding Nemo is CGI? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's not real <laughs> um, there's actually well, to one me more that's thing, how it is yeah there's one more thing I, I, I want to say before we move on to and another aspect of that and another topic that i wanted to talk about and i think to me, and maybe this is something I just pulled out of nowhere, but I think Ghibli, Ghibli's power also comes from the fact that it's a an Asian export. And when I mean export, I mean cultural export that is widely celebrated and accessible to Western audiences. And I think that's also okay. part of Ghibli's power in the sense that it is one of the few animation studios and okay and this is changing more and more with things like your name and mamaru hosoda these films and these directors but ghibli is so acceptable because it's so pleasant and if you compare it to other animated films or animated products or uh, franchises for example i'm not sure if you've watched shin chan it's this like young guy Search it up. You, you've, I'm sure you've seen the character Shin S H I N. Oh, crayon Chan. Shin Chan. Yeah, I have, have you seen. seen him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he, for example, it's just much, much weirder to like a Western audience. Yes, and I also, and I think that's, and this sounds like you know, like a low key criticism. You know, like Ghibli is only celebrated because it looks a certain way. No, like I, I'm absolutely not saying that, but I do think. A lot of it's a lot of Miyazaki or Ghibli's fame is the fact that it is something that can be accessible or is accessible to the West. So, what do you mm. think about that? I a hundred percent agree. Um, this isn't a knock on Ghibli, but mm. I think that Ghibli doesn't really capture the quirky side of Japanese no, culture, definitely at not. all. And that's why when people ask some, like if someone asked me. If someone that wasn't familiar with anime asked me about Ghibli films, I would probably say to them, oh, they're awesome. They're like the Japanese Disney. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Japanese yeah. Disney has, is like a key descriptor for, for Ghibli films because everyone loves Disney, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone loves uh, Snow White, Cinderella, every sort of wholesome story like that. So when they hear Disney and it's associated with the foreign media, of course, they're going to be like, oh, it's foreign, but, you know, it's also familiar, which is why I think Ghibli has maintained that sort of that brand. sort of direction. Yeah, brand. Yeah, that's a good word. Whereas, you know, Crayon Jinchan, the guy is like <laughs> mooning half the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's very quirky. There's it references as well. I mean, I have seen Crayon Jinchan. I just forgot what we're talking about, but it's definitely more quirky and more cheeky. Mm-hmm. And a bit of tongue in cheek is what I'm trying mm. to say. And Ghibli doesn't really, it doesn't really test the waters that way because it's tried and true 
wholesome storytelling. Mm, yes. And I don't think they will ever diverge from that from that direction that they're heading, which mm-hmm. is, you know, to the top. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just sometimes I wish that it was quirky. I think that Pompoko, actually, the the raccoon dog movie, the, ta- the mm-hmm. Tanuki movie, it actually mm-hmm. does have elements of that sort of mischief. And this is where, you know, Pompoko is a bit less accessible to Westerners to watch because raccoon dogs traditionally, like even the statues that we saw in Japan, you know, I, I think we passed by a few where they're wearing, you know, like a rice paddy sort of hat, like mm-hmm. the conical hat mm-hmm. they have huge testicles oh i did not remember that yeah okay well yeah ex- you don't expect it right but ghibli deadass animated the balls like um, <laughs> they are on every male tanuki and it's just something that you know as a westerner when i watched it i was like oh damn so yeah <laughs> and i think that just by virtue of the characters in Pompoko, they're supposed to be mischief, mischievous, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why they air more to the side of the Shin-chan anime spectrum. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the films, they don't have that. They're all quite wholesome, but they're still, you know, serious. Mm, which definitely. is definitely how I think Disney films are. Like, overall, Disney films won't leave you, like, in tears laughing, right? And I think Ghibli is almost the same. Yeah. Agreed. They really do stick to this quite traditional narrative of the Mm -hmm. protagonists, which that's actually something I want to go on because its protagonist is actually female and that in a way flips the script a little. But still, the the, the hero's journey is quite prevalent in it. So yeah, actually, firstly, before I move on, I just want to recommend Crayon Shin-chan, Fierceness That Invites the Storm. To you, Nathan, I guess to my audience members, if you want to watch it, then check it out. But The Adult Empire Strikes Back. I'm I'm actually not sure if you've watched that. It's about basically all the parents wishing that Japan would stay in the 20th century. It was released in like 2000 or 2001, mm-hmm. just as, you know, we we or Japan or the world enter the 21st century. And there's, it's about actually Japanese nostalgia for the past century, the past, yeah, the, yeah, the past century. Anyway, oh, check okay. it out. It, it's, it's pretty enjoyable. But it looks wild just it, from yeah, the, it is wild. <laughs> the cover. It looks like they're on Rainbow Road from Mario Kart. <laughs> um, okay, they're wildin'. <laughs> they, they're, they're wildin' for sure. Uh, there's, an, there's, another, and there's something else I want to bring up. And if you've watched a number of Ghibli films, which we both have, I think we're both around in the double digits or something close to that. It, oh yeah. I mean, oh, I'm yeah. not brushing you know, my shoulder of the dust, you know, but you know, you know, you know, you know, I am, I am bragging, but you know what I'm saying? I'm putting that work. <laughs> <laughs> Rise and grind, it's Ghibli time. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you've watched a few Ghibli films, you actually, you'll notice some themes, some recurring themes. You actually pointed out a few. One example is the prevalence of machines and in particular flying machines. So mm. I guess I'll throw it to you. I guess, do you notice that? Or do you have any comments on the machinery and also any comments on any other themes or reoccurring motifs that you've seen? Yes, definitely. With the machinery angle, I'm just having a look at the list again. So Norsco, the Valley of the Wind, there's definitely flying machines. 
mm-hmm. Castle in the Sky, more flying mm-hmm. machines. Mm-hmm. Wherever the fire flies. My name is Totoro. Not really a flying machine, but they fly with an umbrella. <laughs> Kiki's delivery service. Does that count? Room. Does that count? <laughs> they fly with an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> it's metal, right? It's a machine. Um, poker also for sure. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. I think wind rises. I mean, that's the most obvious example. <laughs> I thought, I mean, even at that spoiler alert, probably skip the next 10 seconds, end of Howl's Moving Castle, they end up flying in that oh, giant castle. Yeah, they do, actually. It's not much yeah, of I a... Think, I guess thematically, in most of the films, the flying machines are a good thing, except for Grave of the Fireflies. But yeah, I think that it can also go the other way with machinery and i did talk about it earlier the idea of harmony not e-harmony harmony it's definitely <laughs> yeah just in case just in case i started um there's definitely even i think the overarching theme in the very first ghibli movie nausicaa is very similar like the humans they are not living in harmony with these giant bugs <laughs> um mm. and with i guess totoro as well that the, the there isn't really a disparity in harmony or anything like that, but the kids learn to love you know, nature and animals more. And yeah, with Pompoko, there is a clash of ideals between the humans and the big ball raccoons. And Mononoke is the biggest standout for me when it comes to that, when it comes to the idea of harmony and the introduction of machines to the plot line. I guess not really machines, but technology, even though it's quite primitive, like bombs and gunpowder, that really turned the tide for one side that was in this battle. And I think that at the end of the movie, oh, this is kind of a spoiler alert, Iron Town, you know, as it is so named, it reverts back from being a town with no trees <laughs> Uh, in fact, the town is surrounded by giant tree trunks that have been turned into like pikes almost. At the end of the movie, the forest spirit, you know, falls on the town and then the greenery just like comes back to the town and there's mm-hmm. plants everywhere. And what really struck me was that Lady Eboshi, the, I guess she's the main villain. She's... She, does, she lost an arm in that battle and she says to the townspeople, you know, it's time to learn to live in harmony with nature. And that really struck me as, as a young lad. Yeah, so I think overarching for me, the, the most prominent theme in all these movies is the idea of, you know, harmony. Uh, how about you, Ben? For sure. There's definitely the aspect of harmony and you touched upon harmony in nature there's something else i just want to talk about in terms of machines so this is i think i read this somewhere and i found it i found it very very interesting so in ghibli films if you watched a number of them you can tell that there are certain machines which are certain pieces of uh, technology which are good for example flying is often something good and i often Mm. find miyazaki and this touches upon my previous comment of his films being very nostalgic there is a real nostalgic element to the technology that he uses because it's relatively, it's like essential technology, but it's not like invasive technology in the same sense like your mobile phone is. So it's, it's like very essential, yeah. like like a car or like a boat or something. Mm. But at the same time, what I found very interesting in this article 
Miyazaki elevates technology that we see simplistic, and by we I mean like younger people, younger generation, because we grew up, you know, with mobile phones and other microwaves and stuff like that. Miyazaki glorifies like an older set of technology, but mm-hmm. in many ways, like the article is asking or just getting us to question, like why does he glorify? older piece of technology is it simply because he grew up during that period and does that in many ways is his demonization of like more modern technology as whether it's invasive or whether it's like not necessary taking away from the simplicity of life there was questions like well for example if you take Miyazaki's love of love of like motor engines like cars or or planes Mm -hmm. would someone growing up in the 60s or 50s look at his obsession with planes and think, well, you took away my ox cart or something. So there's this curious oh, wow. question of like, like when Miyazaki does elevate planes and stuff and he, and he presents other pieces of technology as opposing or in contrast to the simplicity of the planes, there's a question like how much of that is contextual? Yeah. We're going deep tonight. Damn, man. That was all you said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> just just say pass. Ditto. <laughs> <can't> say <laughs> all right, man. I guess I guess uh, I'm doing no, this a lot. <laughs> real spit. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> no. All right, man. All right, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about my monologue, man, but my soliloquy. <laughs> um, I think that he definitely does, as you say, demonize modern technology because, but, oh, sorry, I think he does that though to evoke even more nostalgia. Mm, it's for, a nostalgia you know, merchant. For, for like. <laughs> Yeah, that should be the title of the podcast. Hi, I'm Miyazaki, hyphen nostalgia merchant. Um, and then Fuck around, semicolon, man. Say semicolon, less. A, a discussion. Um, this guy handing it out, man. Um, I mean, my prime example of, you know, the idea, you know, nostalgia for lack of a better word is in Kiki, right? The boy who was interested in Kiki is a bit annoying. I don't even know his name. Stripy shirt, glasses boy. He tries to build a plane using a bicycle. Mm. And it's one of those like mom bikes, I think is the uh, official term. It's just one of those, you know, daily commuter bikes that they ride in Japan. I'm pretty sure. Or it's a, like a fixie or something like that. He puts this absurdly big propeller <laughs> on the front. And that to me, it just, you, it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, okay, this is old technology. But also even back in that, in those days, that, that would never happen. Like this is so fantastical and so olden time mm-hmm. that it has its own charm, I think. And it really compounds on you know the layers and layers and layers of this yeah. nostalgia, this warm <laughs> nostalgia, yeah. the N word, man. I was actually, I was, I was, I had to say that, and I was like, wait, that's, that's. <laughs> nostalgia is an offensive word from now on. Um, 
<laughs> I just don't want to say it. Synonyms for nostalgia. Here we go. Reminisce. Yeah, reminiscent. Yeah, okay. reminiscent. Doesn't uh, sound as well. <laughs> sentiment. Oh, sentimental. Uh, I, I, I think that's a better word. Yeah, I think that the use of the glorification of this sort of bygone era of technology in all of Miyazaki's films, it makes me sentimental. <laughs> it, it does exactly what it planned out to do. <laughs> because, you know, it does evoke the idea of, you know, life without technology, without computers. Life can still be fun. Life is still wonderful when you strip away the layers of technology that, you know, we're buried under. I don't think that's probably what he was going for. I think he just likes old stuff because he is old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's probably sentimental for him. But for us, you know, it has a completely different meaning. And this is all based on the assumption that he just likes old stuff. I think that for us, like like I was saying, we see all this old stuff, which we didn't even grow up with, but we somehow sentimental for. I'm not sure if you feel the same, do you? I, I do. I think the bicycle example was great in the sense that it is so obviously comedic that like, it, it would never happen, but it's almost implying that simplicity is enough to get you through something, that yeah. simple designs and willpower and joy and youth is really all you need to, to pass the time or to be successful and on mm. that, I, that's another common theme that I wanted to mention. There's a lot of young female characters who are just traversing towards adulthood or entering her, their teenagehood. And one example that comes to mind, really, you could select any film and like that would be true in 85% of Ghibli films. But I mm. think Totoro is a great example of that where, as you said, mm. the young female character is just learning to deal with ideas of life and death and... That mm. is a common theme as well in yeah. a lot of Ghibli films. And yeah, I guess I'll throw that to I'll throw that to you if you want to have any other comments on that. Because the last thing I want to end with is Ghibli's influence on animation and have they affected other mm, brands or have they affected how we see Japan or how we see animation? So yeah, I guess take it away. Okay, that, that's a, yeah, um, that, that, that's a, it's a lot to, to take in right there. But if I, if I get what you mean, I definitely agree with the, the central themes of, you know, growing up and coping with problems, not really problems, but facets of life that young kids, they're not ready for, but these characters, you know, suddenly thrown into. And I think that it is wonderful that they do that because it it teaches young people who do watch the movies, even though they might not fully understand it, they can look back on it with, you know, sentiment. And, and you know, when they're going through the rough patches, they can at least not project, but align themselves with the characters and, you know, be more in the universe. Dude, it's straight so up projection. Related, re- Related, relatability is uh, a <laughs> major key. Dude, I'm letting you know. When I when I watched Whisper of the Heart, I was like, man, this like this young teenage girl go bumps into this like book nerd who also makes violins in his spare time, wants to travel to Italy, and he's like that, dashingly yeah. cool. I'm mm. like, that's that's literally that's, every that's not me. high schooler's dream. <laughs> that's yeah. like every high schooler's dream. Yeah, actually, I think you mentioned it before, the lo-fi sort of videos. 
one of the lo-fi videos that I watched, not recently, but it's just stuck in my mind is all of, it's like a, it's a really long, like hour long video of a compilation of lo-fi songs. And the animation of the video is actually the guy just fixing his violin and it's just mm. looped, mm. looped and looped and looped and looped. And, and if that doesn't do more for you know, Ghibli's brand, I think, I think they should honestly make like a lo-fi movie. Oh, 100%. <laughs> or they should at least animate like some sort of lo-fi like loop. Video, like, yeah. the, like the girl studying. I mean, I don't even yeah. think that that is. It was know, inspired it? by Whisper. Like, oh, like there was okay, a scene. Yeah. There's a scene when she starts writing the book where she's in her desk and it's getting all messy. And mm. I remember pausing and thinking like, wow, this is actually really similar to the lo-fi girl. Yeah, our favorite. Um, also the, yeah. the male protagonist of whisper the guy with the violin mm-hmm. we, we look alike i'm just saying <laughs> are you projecting <laughs> i think i am man, no, I'm projecting, man. <laughs> are you okay <laughs> this is cry for help <laughs> listeners get in contact with stanley please um please check up on me please yeah. Um, but yeah let's talk about ghibli's influence so i'm not mm. sure if you've watched this film you probably haven't it's it's a chinese animation film it's called big fish in begon in begonia i okay. didn't mm, how do i say this <laughs> it's gonna sound really bad i actually hated the film <laughs> so, but but that's not the point i'm bringing it up the point i'm bringing it up is because the animation was beautiful and it was mm. so reminiscent of Ghibli. The, mm. the, my, my reasons for disliking it was actually a very convoluted plot, which okay. is unfortunate. But the style, the, the aesthetics were stunning. And it was very obviously Ghibli inspired. And even things like Wolf Children, which I think it, mm. it doesn't seem too oh, yeah. Ghibli-esque. But I think there is a Ghibli influence. So, yeah. Nathan, what do you think the influence of Ghibli is around animation or around the world? Mate, like, I think that they they changed the game when they came on the scene in, what, 86? 80, 84 with Nausicaa. I think that a lot of... I don't think animation studios who do, like, TV shows, I don't think that they are really part of the same sphere as um, Ghibli films, but... Animation studios, when they do like a feature length movie, I think that they, and wait, and also if the theme is about, you know, growing up or if it's sort of centered around a child, a hundred percent Ghibli is the benchmark that they would measure off mm-hmm. because I'm looking, I'm just, when, when you mentioned uh, Wolf Children, I was like, oh, Mamoru Hosoda, he's done so many other films like summer wars which was great i'm a big fan that was of great wars. i love that i'm not a big fan of his other stuff like i wasn't a big fan of girl who left through time i'm not a big fan okay. of what's that the 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 boy and the like, beast yeah i wasn't a big fan of that mm. but i um, love summer wars yeah yeah i think that summer Wars really oh, it's so wholesome right it, mm. it really captures um <laughs> the sentiment around <laughs> around family around the value of family around young love as well or ghibli or ghibli like at this point ghibli brands Mm, yeah i think so i think that hasoda has definitely been influenced by by ghibli 
And I think that Shinkai's movies, to an extent, you could say that they do... I mean, <laughs> this isn't a knock on him, but a lot of his films are about, you know, falling in love with an older woman. But that's that's a, that's a conversation for another Man, Shinkai, another reach out to me, bro. <laughs> He's hurting, man. <laughs> man, man, I feel you, man. You're hurting. <laughs> I, see I would definitely say that Ghibli has inspired many studios with their style mm. and even their themes they even i'm not sure if you saw it ages ago but ghibli sort of i mean they're already in the western sphere now but the simpsons did a, a ghibli what? opening yeah what i'm not kidding like I'm i don't sure think it was impressed or like <laughs> upset. i don't think it was i don't think it was um hand animated or anything like that but they referenced Literally, no, like, face. every Ghibli movie in, in the opening sequence for cool. the Simpsons. I actually have to check this out. It's actually a really good, really good homage. I would I would highly recommend it. It only goes for, like, 30 seconds, which is the opening for The Simpsons. But, yeah, it's just wonderful. And to me, that really showed that, you know, anime or Japanese media is really sort of edging more and more into the world sphere. And mm, I'm... For sure. I mean, I'm not Japanese, but... I'm appreciative because at least it reflects more more diverse offerings from you know the, the rest of the world. I'm sure there's many Chinese animated films and you know Korean films and even like Southeast Asian. I'm sure there's a lot of them that I haven't seen yet. But the fact that you know the West has taken so positively to Ghibli and you know your name as well, Weathering with You, I think that's a good sign for the furthering of, you know, Asian created media. And I think Ghibli is definitely to thank for a lot of that because, I mean, we have a mutual friend who I will not name and they recently got a calcifer tattoo. I actually don't know who you're talking about, but okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably tell you afterwards, but uh, yeah, I was like, they are. Marco? <laughs> true blue, like Western, Western as you get, like, uh-huh. And they got a calcifer tattoo. Wow. Calcifer is the flame from House Moving Castle, for those that don't know. And yeah, that just struck me as odd. I don't know why. I was I was kind of protective in my heart. I was like, <laughs> hey, 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 that's mine. <laughs> but I think that the fact that, you know, it's reaching the Western sphere is just awesome. Yeah. And like I said, Ghibli is, it's a good starting point. Like you were saying at the start, it's a good starting point for people to get more well acquainted with the with the format for sure and i still stand by the comment i said earlier i'm i would i wouldn't classify the majority of ghibli films as great or exceptional Mm -hmm. but i do think they are very effective and i don't mean that in a demeaning way but very effective in evoking certain emotions and really getting you it's like a warm blanket and once again Mm. that's not an insult but yeah cool thank you nathan thanks for jumping on and thanks for sharing your thoughts Honestly, we could have deep dived into any single film, but I thought firstly it would just be more fun if we just talk about all films in general. And we and because we've watched a few, we could jump around here and there. And I've always found talking about the big picture, so like Ghibli as a whole, or like the cultural influence or the philosophy mm-hmm. behind it, uh, just a little more interesting than any specific film. So, yeah, thanks for jumping Definitely. on. And I guess we have to, you know, I'll get you on some other time to do the ramen or the Japan podcast. But yeah, we. We'll, talk soon and but if you have any other things you want to say to the to your audience this is your chance 
I just want to say uh, shout out to all the people that worked on the album. Shout out my cousin Ray Ray. <laughs> shout out LP if you listen. Shout out Sarah. Y'all my dogs. Are you dogs. serious? Are you, <laughs> are you turning the end of my podcast into a hip hop video? <laughs> now we're ending it. Um, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't sum up the whole chat that we had just then, I don't know what does. But yeah, thank you for having me on the pod as well. I uh, really appreciate your time. All right. Take it easy. Peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Safety Lost with Stanley Ching. If you enjoyed this, then please leave a rating or a comment. I hope you're leaving with a new idea and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and other places that can be found in the description.